Jen Lissandro and her doubles partner recently reached the podium in a senior pro event, upsetting a couple of the top teams along the way. In today's episode, Jen also talks about how to stage a big comeback, when to hit a Ernie, and what you can learn from watching the pros play. Let's get to the intro to hear from Jen. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I would like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, Jen Lissandro. How are you doing today, Jen? I'm great, Lynn. Thanks for having me on. I'm actually really excited to have you on because I know when I had a good friend of yours on the podcast, <laughs> Neil, and actually, t- what's Neil's last name? I always put it. Metarata. It's Metarata. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, he talked a lot about you on the podcast, so I'm really happy that you're now on the podcast. But oh, to, hopefully they were to, good things. <laughs> yeah, for the most part. So anyways, I do always like to start a little bit with your background how long ago you heard about pickleball and how you got into the sport? Sure. Well, I started playing tennis around seven years old. My dad was my coach. My whole family played. And so I was a tennis player and that was in my blood. And I played junior tennis growing up and then ended up playing college tennis at University of Kentucky I played there for a year. I transferred out of there just for a couple of different reasons and then went to, got a scholarship through NIU, Northern Illinois University, and played number one tennis for them and did really well, actually being honored in October as one of the Husky greats. So that was a great honor. But tennis, I've played tennis since I was seven. And so I think it was about probably, I was, I don't know, about 10 years ago or so, I was playing in Houston National Clay Courts Tournament and tennis, and I did really well, but I was kind of thinking, am I, how, how long am I going to be able to do this? And I loved playing on clay, but I thought, is there something else? And so I teach a little bit of tennis also, but Neil, actually, who I used to play tennis with, he said one day, I'm not going to play tennis with you today. I'm going to go play pickleball. And I was like, that's for old people. (laughs) And then he said, come check it out at the local sports factory. And I did and loved it. So, yeah. Yeah. And I did see some video of both you and Neil playing together. And I think you've just started playing in the senior pros, I think, recently. And mm-hmm. I think Neil's a little bit younger than you. Is Just a little bit. No. <laughs> I, yeah, no, he is. I'm 51. And so, yeah, so I started the senior tour and I've been playing that a bit. And I, Neil and I used to play a lot of tournaments and he actually really helped me with pickleball and just help me with strategies and we would play singles and lots of tournaments and uh, but yeah so now I'm playing senior and doing pretty well and I love the singles game that's mini tennis for me so I really like that and uh, 
also the doubles. So I still play tennis though. I still have to, I have a wonderful community of people that I still play with in Rockford that they're saying, don't leave us for pickleball, still play tennis with us. So I do that occasionally. And I just played last night. So I still love tennis for the exercise. That's interesting. I talked to many people on the podcast who have that tennis background similar mm-hmm. to you, but very few of them still also play both I know. sports. It mu- is, must well, be really challenging to go back and forth. It's funny. People ask me that all the time. There's also another senior pro that I actually, that I just saw the other day at a tournament, Jenny Klitsch. And she, I actually played her at national clay courts and tennis and she's started playing pickleball and she's also playing both and uh, she's doing it. And I'm not competing so much in tennis anymore. I'm teaching it a little bit, but I'm also playing it for the footwork. I really, when I play tennis, it's a bigger court, so I can really work on my footwork. I can really work on my endurance training And I just love the exercise. I don't know anybody that knows me that they know, like, I just have to keep moving. And so whether it's after I'm done with pickleball, I'll be sprinting or doing stairs. So tennis, I just, yeah, I can still transition from, you know, tennis to pickleball. But before a tournament, I usually don't play tennis that week. That makes sense. And the footwork that you have. In Mm -hmm. tennis, I would imagine that translates really well Uh to the pickleball court. It really does. I mean, I just, I, you have to have really good footwork in tennis, but pickleball, not as much, but it helps from tremendously when, you know, I'm going from the baseline, going to the kitchen, I'm getting there as fast as I can and just having my feet in position really helps. So, yeah. So just having that footwork reinforcement is really good from the tennis. And I just, I love to stay in shape. So that really helps me stay in shape and have the endurance. I mean, some tournaments, just like this last one, Chicago Open, we were literally, we played for eight hours. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. And let's go ahead and go there for a minute. And I'm going to circle back to some more of this tennis idea. Sure. Tell me a little bit about experience at the Chicago Open because I looked at least the women's senior pro draw and it was absolutely a who's who of uh, top pickleball players. What was your experience like there? Oh, I mean, we just, Natalie and I had a great experience. This was our first tournament together. So she's actually from Elmhurst, Illinois. And uh, I was actually supposed to play with someone else. And I think she was maybe going to play with someone else also, but it didn't work out. And we just said, let's try it. And we trained really hard beforehand. We met in the suburbs and that really helped. And our chemistry was just phenomenal. And we're good friends and we just know where each other's on the court. And that really, the chemistry just is so important to me. And so we just gave it a shot and we just said, let's play our game. Let's just play the ball. Don't worry about the seeds. And so we were actually seeded number nine and 
ended up beating the second, third, and fourth seed. Wow, congratulations. And <laughs> one thing I noticed in the draw was that in, in many tournaments, I look at the draw sheets, and once you lose a match and you actually drop down into the loser's yes. bracket, the highest you can get is third. But this tournament was a bit different, wasn't it? Yes. So you could drop back in the back draw and come back through and win it. So we ended up losing, I believe it was second round to the number one seed, Beth Bellamy and Natalie Bagby, and then want, then came back in the back draw and beat the second, third, and fourth seed, and then ended up playing Natalie and Beth for the finals and lost. But it, it was a battle. I mean, they're just, I mean, there's so, the competition was, I mean, it, it was great. And so we're just, I'm so proud of Natalie and we just, we really, we fought back. Even one of the matches in the back draw, we were, it was to 15 and we were down to 11. And I just said, Natalie, we're not giving up. We're just playing one point at a time. And um, that's what we're going to do. And don't worry about the score. And she's like, okay. And so we just, yeah, we just went one at a time and it was a new game. In that situation, how do you stay <laughs> focused? Because you're so far down. I mean, what helps yep. you to focus and keep on track to be able to have the opportunity to yep. come back? Well, I think in that situation, you can look at it a couple ways. I mean, I said, Natalie, let's, we changed the strategy a little bit and we mixed things up. We stacked a little bit and then our opponents started making a few more errors. And so 11-2 turned into 11-4, then turned into 11-6. And then it was like, we looked at each other and we're like, we're just going to chip away we're just going to take one point at a time. Let's just play smart. We're not giving up where we came this far. And I think we ended up, I think we even took maybe an offensive timeout just to kind of settle ourselves down and the adrenaline was going. And then we came up with some strategy and then I think it was 11 all. And I said, we're winning this thing. We're not giving up. And so she just battled with me and played smart. And we had a huge, I think Lynn, what really mattered too, we had a huge crowd behind us because we're both from that area, the suburbs. And so we had a lot of fans and that definitely helps. I bet. Now, do you have plans to play again with her soon on another senior pro event? I think we are. I think we're actually talking about playing Sacramento. So she travels for work and she may have to be in California. And so she's like, let's try this. So we're going to, we're kind of working plans right now, but we're definitely going to play another one. All right. Now, one of the things I wanted to go back to is mm -hmm. when I talk to most high level tennis players who come into pickleball and say, yeah, the two <laughs> things I needed to learn was how to dink and how to hit that third shot drop. I actually mm -hmm. listened to part of another interview that you had done, and you were really much more specific. Hmm. For example, one of the things I think you said was that I had to learn how to hit a topspin drop. Right, right. 
I mean, my game, I came from a two-handed backhand in tennis. So that's such a weapon for me when I transferred that into pickleball. And so when I'm playing sometimes on the left side, I will hit, I've got that two-handed topspin roll that a lot of my opponents don't like, (laughs) but I love. And so I use that topspin that I had in tennis. And there's a lot of players that say, gosh, I wish I had that. I wish I had that tennis background because it's hard for them. And for me, it's just natural, you know? And so even a couple of the people that I try to teach it to, they're like, I don't know how you do that. And it's just, it's very natural for me with the top spin. And so I love, I love my backhand, especially when I'm playing singles, people figure out really quickly, they'll go to my backhand and then they'll be like, oh, geez, I shouldn't be going to your backhand. (laughs) So, but yeah, it's, there's just some things you, you bring from tennis into the pickleball and on the drop too also. And, and the soft game, I mean, I definitely needed to refine that and resetting. And I've gotten, I just, I feel like I've really improved on a lot of those, a lot of those shots. So now for those people who come up to you and say, Hey, I want to learn that two-handed backhand top spin roll. Are you able to give them some tips or help them out? Yeah, definitely. I am. I was playing with a group the other day in Madison and there was somebody and he had never, he he didn't have the racket sport background. And he's like, I really want to add this into my game. I just, he's got the one-handed slice. And I also have that one-handed slice and I will let go. But if I, more of an angle, you have to drop the rack, the paddle head and roll it. And so I was able to to help him a little bit. But I think repetition and muscle memory is something that he has to do where it's so natural for me. Yeah, and I can definitely relate because <laughs> my background was not so much in tennis, but in racquetball. So hitting a okay. slice is really natural because yeah. you're always trying to keep the ball yes. very low to the front wall. And then I had a friend who's really good tennis player. So that's been what I've worked on pretty okay. much all summer was getting that nice top spin backhand, mm-hmm. actually forehand roll. And it's amazing what that does for your game. And people yeah. think that when you do it, you're just being so aggressive. And I'm like, but it's really, it's, a, it's once you get it down, it's not that hard of a shot to hit. But granted, I'm somebody who I go out with my ball machine multiple times a week. I'm just going to break in here for a minute and talk about two of my favorite guests that I've had on the podcast multiple times. They are teaching professionals CJ Johnson and Tony Roig. I've decided to partner with them to provide online instructional training. Go to pickleballfire.com forward slash academy to get some great resources to improve your game. Right, which is great. I mean, that's that's so important too. I know a lot of I know a lot of the pros will drill or I love to drill. And so drilling I think is so important and some of them have ball machines and it's just that repetition, but the it's just that two-handed backhand. I also um people say I'm the pretty like the powerful one. Like if different pros will say, I need you on the 
I want to play a tournament with you because you've got the power. And, <laughs> and so I'm kind of like the power girl. And so that comes a lot from, I don't know, it comes, I think, it, I believe it comes a lot just from tennis and having that two-handed backhand. And then one of the things too, I heard in that interview was you actually really studied a lot of the top professionals game, such as, I think you mentioned Annalie Waters, oh, Riley and that. Lindsay Newman. What, yeah. did, what did you learn from all of them as you were really learning the game of pickleball? Well, I mean, it's so, I mean, you can learn so much from videos and just watching what the top pros are doing and seeing where they're standing, what their placement is on the court. I mean, Lindsay's resets are just phenomenal and just having those soft hands and Anna Lee, she's, she's got a two-handed backhand that I would love to have and that I try to emulate because she can roll that cross court, but at the same time, she rolls it deep where sometimes if you're rolling it too much, someone's going to ATP on you. But Anna Lee does it in a way she just has great placement and her transition areas are just, I love watching that. And that really just motivates me and just kind of shows me, well, this is where I can stand or this is how much power I can put on my two-handed backhand. And so it's just really watching someone's game can really, it, it really does play a factor and it really helps, especially when you're watching, if you have opponents that, you know, about to play, watch some video of them and see how they play and see where, look at their weaknesses or look where they're placing their balls. So one of the other things I think you mentioned in that interview too, was obviously this is unique to pickleball. You had to learn how to hit an Ernie. How challenging was that? Well, it is very challenging. I'm still learning the Ernie. <laughs> and even when I would play with Neil, he's like, you should be earning that. And so it's just being, and that's another thing is watching people earning. I would try to watch video of people earning. And so it's just knowing when to earning and when they're off their back foot and having, hitting that really good dink and then being ready. And so it's, um, you know, there were times where I'm, he's like, you need to earn that. I'm like, oh, you're right. <laughs> now, what so, are the times that you should actually hit that Ernie? Well, usually when, so if you hit a, like down the line, if you're hitting a really good dink and their heads starts to go down your opponents and they're off their back foot, then you, I sometimes will fake an Ernie. I'll kind of fake it and then go back or just go ahead and Ernie when they're, when they're out of position and the head, their head starts to go down. You just can't go too early. That's sometimes what I would do. And Neil would say, you, I can see you. <laughs> so I'm still, there's still a lot of learning process. And I just, my thing is I'm just still trying to get as many different strokes into my game and ammunition and just trying to be unpredictable. I think that's what the key is in pickleball. You don't want to be predictable. That is very true. I remember interviewing or talking to somebody and they were talking about 
the top level squash players basically have no patterns to the game, yeah. to their game. And yeah. so it, it, so do you know, how do you become unpredictable? Well, Lynn, I think a lot of it is, is not, you know, trying not to hit the same shot. So a lot of times I've learned just recently, people are going to predict I'm going to drive my third and that's, I'm come from tennis and they think, oh, she's just going to drive. And so I've learned to not so much drive so much the third. I mean, I would, I'll still drive the third, drop the fifth, but I'm going to drop. I'm going to throw in more drops now and maybe drive the fifth and just be unpredictable and try instead of if you're, if we're dinking cross court, start dinking to the middle start dinking down the line and just being able to have all different types of shots or weapons in your bag and not having your opponent say, well, this is where she's probably going to go or she's probably going to drive it. So I've learned really focused too on resetting. Resetting is so big when you get into that higher level pickleball. You have to be able to reset, not only reset it, but you have to have a good reset, you know, not a high reset. So soften your paddle, soften your hands, get low. I've learned I'm pretty short. And so I, I tell my kids, you know, it's kind of nice. This is the one sport I can be happy at being short. And so being short is kind of good in pickleball. You want to get low. And that's helped me also. Very true. Now, do any of your kids play pickleball yet? Oh yeah. So I'm, the kids are, I've got twins that are 17 seniors and then I've, my other daughter's 16 and then I, my son is 12 and they all have, they all are pretty athletic. Sock, my son plays on two baseball league teams and my daughter's playing tennis now, but I'm like, we're going to play pickleball. You're going to learn the sport because this is the fastest growing sport. And they actually I've got a friend that has a court in their backyard and they're like, use it anytime. And so it's been great. So we will go out there and just play pickleball and they're getting the rules down and they actually, they really enjoy it. So they're not ready to beat mom yet. Well, they try. So <laughs> they try, but and my son is so funny because he's very competitive and very athletic, but you know, he's, he loves baseball. And he, I said, come on, you can even, I can, we can get into maybe a tournament. And he's like, mom, I still love my baseball, but I'll play pickleball with you. And he loves playing singles with me. And so I said, should I spot you some points? And he's like, oh no, we're going to start at zero, zero. So he's still trying to beat me. <laughs> yes. It sounds like that competitiveness definitely runs in the family. Mm, for sure. For sure. It does. Now, one of the things we talked about a little bit earlier before we actually started recording the podcast was about kind of being humble, loving pickleball, yeah. and knowing it could end at any time. So enjoy it. For sure. I'm such a firm believer in that, Lynn. I I just, I feel sports are so important. All my, I grew up playing sports. My family did. My kids do. And it's, I mean, sports are really important. but I think what's more important is your character and that matters more 
than any sport and being just being humble and grateful. And I always tell the kids, just be kind, spread kindness, and that's going to win over anything. And so pickleball can be over for me. I could get an injury. It could be over for me tomorrow. But I'm just so grateful to be able to still playing the sport and still even be able to play tennis at the level I am. And I just feel that you have to be, you really have to be modest and humble. That's really important. And I try to, I try to tell that and share that with the kids and just enjoy the journey and be grateful for what you have. And I just, it's really important to me of how you treat others and how you, your kindness, that's really matters to me more than anything. I mean, I had not so good singles tournament, Chicago Open. I, I did okay, but I feel like I could have done better. And afterwards, I, I was upset, but I bounced back and ended up just saying, hey, you win some, you lose some. And started cheering for the others. And uh, it's just, that's probably more important than going out there and playing. It's just your character and what happens after, after pickleball. I tell the kids that all the time, just be humble and kind and passionate to others. I love that attitude. And that's definitely great advice. And I know you are a very positive person. I am. And Today, just I've just got a couple more questions I want to finish yeah. up with. I do always sure. like to ask the pros and senior pros, which pickleball paddle do you use and why do you like it? Okay, so I actually, right now, Lynn, I just finished up my contract with Engage. I was with Engage for two years. And so my contract is up. So right now I'm actually shopping around. I play, I'm playing with the Electrum in doubles. I'm trying that. It's a paddle I really like. And then, so singles, I played with my old Engage. I also played with a paddle. It's called, it's called Dink and it's out of Florida. And I'm, I was kind of trying them and I've also been trying Groovin. So I'm actually shopping around right now. So we'll see. We'll see where you land. Yeah. All right. Sure. And I did want to also congratulate you on being one of the Husky greats. That is a oh, wonderful honor. Thank you. I appreciate and to finish, that. Yeah. And to finish up today, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, where's the best place for them to reach out? Well, they can reach out through, I'm on Facebook, Jennifer Lissandro. I'm also on Instagram. I believe it's, I think I'm under Jen. Curgis Lissandro 8 and also my phone <laughs> if they want to reach out to me or email me also I can I don't know if you want me to give out my email you you are welcome to since this is on a podcast it will not end up all over the good internet. no I won't get all these yeah so my email is j k a r g e s 143 at gmail.com Awesome. And I guess I should follow up with, I know you said you teach a bit of tennis. Are you also teaching pickleball now too? I don't, I teach mostly tennis a little bit to some local kids, 
I'm actually trying to teach some pickleball at a country club in Rockford that just put in four brand new pickleball courts. So I'm trying to work there and teach there. And so it's kind of, we're in the process of seeing what happens with that. But yeah, we just got four brand new courts. We have three country clubs in Rockford and one of them got courts. So I'm hoping maybe Neil and I do something with that, do maybe an exhibition and just try to get pickleball going here in Rockford. Awesome. And which country club will you be at? So that is at, that's at Forest Hills Country Club. So we're still in the process. So this may boost, Lynn, this podcast may boost that a little bit. Get it going for me. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's hope we have some people in the Rockford, Illinois area listening. Yeah, for Um, sure. All right, then. Anything else we should know today before we finish up? No, just, I mean, if I can give a shout out to my kids. (laughs) Absolutely. Just hi, Ella, Mia, Ava, and Joey. Yeah. All right, Jen. Well, thank you so much for being on the Pickleball Fire podcast. Thank you so much, Lynn. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes. 